Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We're going to um, just spend a couple of minutes. I want to share a, a few things that are coming up in the life of the church for prayer, and we're going to pray over those. And uh, I want to uh, encourage you, um, here in just a moment, we're going to have some um, clipboards going around. And the clipboards that are going to be going around are for um, this Thursday, the 14th. And this Thursday, the 14th, is when our 24-hour of prayer um, uh, starts up. If you don't know much about that, we take the second Thursday of every month. And as a church, we pray from Wednesday at midnight all the way to Thursday at midnight. We fill in every time slot. And it's a part of what God's doing in the city in, in prayer. And so we really feel passionate about that. You, you, you hear us say this all the time. You know, we, we don't feel like we want to add prayer in, but we want to be called a house of prayer because that's what Jesus said about his house, my house to be called a house of prayer. And so we want this to really develop a culture in your life. I hope someday that it's not just a Thursday that we do this. I hope it's an everyday thing that we do. Amen? Where we're just praying without ceasing. And so um, these clipboards, if you just want to fill it in, they're 30-minute time slots, and you can take whatever time slot you want. Pray from your house. Uh, uh, pray from your workplace. Pray while you're in the car. Um, the, the, you don't have to come to Reliance. You can come when the offices are open. Uh, we won't be here at 3 in the morning. Amen. Testify. Somebody testify. Amen. Uh, but Jesus will be wherever you're at. So uh, just sign up for a time slot and, uh, and, and then let's cover. You guys have been so faithful over the last six months since we started this or however long it's been. Um, you guys are always filling in those time slots. Thank you guys for that. Um, also, just want to let you know we feel really stirred on our heart to have a night of, of um, prayer and healing. So Thursday the 14th at 7 p.m. this Thursday. This is kind of impromptu. Uh, there's not any live worship. We're just going to throw some worship on on YouTube or whatever. And we're just, we're just going to open up the, the, the sanctuary. And anybody who wants to come in and you, you just need healing in your life, maybe physical healing or spiritual healing or emotional healing, the Lord just really pushed in on our hearts of going, let's just pray for people this week. And so um, there, this is like, there's, you're not going to come in and see some grandeur thing. It's literally just going to be a group of people who are saying, we believe in what God says he can do in his word. Amen. And so you just come in and we want to pray over you and then you can leave or you can spend time here, whatever you want to do. But we just really feel like this Thursday at seven o'clock, we're going to open the church up and we're just going to pray for anybody who comes through these doors. Whether that's you or God brings somebody from somewhere in the city to come in, whatever. We just, we want to show up and be faithful to what God has called. Amen? So Thursday at 7 o'clock, if you have specifically uh, a need for healing, um, you can come. We want to pray over you guys. We're going to have some different prayer team people here. And then um, I want to do one more thing real quickly. Tomorrow is Veterans Day. And so if you are a veteran, if you have family members who are veterans or you want to stand on somebody's behalf that's a veteran, can you, can you do that? If you've ever served um, or currently serving, you have family that's serving, go ahead and stand up. Yeah? All right? Amen? Can we give them a hand? Stay standing. Amen. Stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing. We... We want to do something if we can real quickly while you're standing i keep standing we want to pray over you and uh, we don't want to take freedom for granted we know that first and foremost freedom is given through jesus christ amen whether you are in a place that's run by a dictator whether you are in a place where you feel like you're in prison freedom comes from jesus christ but we recognize this too we live in a country of freedoms and that freedom did not come cheap and that freedom did not come without a cost. And we know that we have military men and women all over the world serving right now so that you and I can openly worship here in this building. And so we just, we want to we wanna say thank you and we want to pray over you and pray over your family and friends that you're standing for. And so if you're around somebody who's standing, we just kind of put a hand up. You can put a hand on their shoulder if you feel comfortable. Um, but let's just put a hand up for them if we can. Father, we thank you for... The freedoms that you give us before all things freedom comes from Jesus Christ and so God we we thank you that we are we were set free 2,000 years ago when you nailed our sin and shame to the cross we were set free when our final foe of death was defeated and so God we thank you for the freedom that you give us but we recognize that we live in a country of freedoms as well that we're free to worship 
that we're free to openly carry Bibles, that we're free to openly talk about our saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And so God, I thank you for those military men and women from long ago that are still serving today even, those that are still serving today, from those that are in this room standing to those that are standing for a family member or a friend. God, we thank you for these men and women who fought for our freedom. And we pray, Jesus, that you would be with them. We know right now, God, that suicide is an all-time high among military men and women. And God, in the name of Jesus, we break the spirit of suicide that's over them. God, we believe your word says that you can take things that they've seen and make them as if they never were. And so, God, we pray that when the enemy comes in with no hope, that you bring peace. And when the enemy comes in, that the things that they've done, they can never take back. Father, we pray that you would show them your mercy and your forgiveness, Father, and your grace and your love, and that you care for them. So, God, I pray for those soldiers out there today and the ones that are standing in this room. We say thank you. We honor, God, those men and women you've called forth. But, God, we pray, Jesus, in your name, you would protect them from the enemy's schemes and his lies. Thank you, Father, for the freedoms that we have in this country. But more than anything, thank you for the freedom we got 2,000 years ago when you died on the cross. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen. Can you guys give them a hand one more time? Amen. I'm going to invite you, if you would, to stand up and find some of that you have. Now, listen, I say this every week. I mean it this time, okay? Some of you have never said hi to in your entire life and go find them. Would you do that? Hey, good morning, Reliance community. We're so glad you're with us this morning. It's a great day. Great day. It, great it's day. It's a great day. Yeah. Are you going to talk over me this time? No, I'm not. You go ahead. Okay. <laughs> we got some announcements for you. First and foremost, November 18th, it's a Monday, and you're a parent. I am. And if you want to feel appreciated, uh -huh. you need to come to the RSM Parent Appreciation Event. Okay. November 18th, 6 to 7.30. You need to RSVP online. Is it for any parent that wants to be appreciated or just? Mm, probably the ones that are in, that have kids in RSM youth. Mm, RSM youth. Gotcha. So get online and register and be sure to be there. Oh, Ooh, nice dodge, Matt. I'm impressed. Yeah, I've gotten good at dodging things or doing announcements with you over the last couple years. I'm glad I could help. Mm. Um, and if you were a mother or a son, you could participate in the dodgeball competition and picnic. I'm a son. Well, you're not in pre-K through fifth grade. So if you're a mom and your son is in pre-K through fifth grade, sign up to participate in the mother-son dodgeball competition. Bring $5 or a donation of socks or underwear, and there's more information out on the tables in the lobby about how to get involved. It's next Wednesday, November 13th. Mm -hmm. So there you go. That's all we've got for you. I hope you have a great day and a great week. We'll see you next time. All right. First of all, I love the outtakes, right? Because it never works perfectly the first time. First of all, it's good to have you guys here. How's everybody doing today? Doing good? I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward. We have our ushers here, and they're going to pass the offering place. We're going to pray over that. But before they do, I want to make two quick announcements. The first one is um, out there in the lobby, you'll see a, a, a big table set up with tons of stuff from Kenya and Rwanda. We support a missionary called, uh, for, uh, her name's Cindy Mendoza and her family, and she has a mission called Cindy's Hope. And God's just doing tremendous things with Cindy's Hope. And so if you've got some Christmas shopping that you want to do, it's out there, all right? And all the proceeds go to help this orphanage that she runs, these schools that she has set up. 
Um, really cool ministry, but I want to share a real quick highlight of something she shared because I think it's a cool thing. I want to pray over that. Um, God has uh, kind of given them a heart to share the, uh, the Jesus film uh, over in Kenya and Rwanda. And they had set up for about 500 people. They were preparing for 500 people to come and hear the gospel message. A thousand people came, okay? They ran out of a lot of kind of some of the food that they started to prepare, but then they had all this beans and rice, and they were like, we only prepared for 500, but every time they were serving the food, it never ran out. Kind of eerily familiar, amen, to little loaves and fishes. I'm telling you right now, man, we get to see miracles happen every day, and Jesus will feed his people, amen? And I'm not just talking about food. Jesus will feed his people. So 500 people was expected. 1,000 came and heard the gospel message. And so we're going to pray into that, pray what, what Cindy's doing out there. Excited for that. And then next week we're going to have our angel tree uh, set up where we can help people locally um, around this area um, by getting gifts for them and their families. And so let's just pray over the offering and just pray what God is doing. We want to be a faithful people. God, you've been so faithful to us. You've been so incredibly generous to us, God. And we, we want to be a generous people. And so, God, I pray that everything that comes into reliance, God, through our tithes and our gifts and our offerings, God, I pray that first and foremost, the last thing that we want to do is build Reliance Community Church's kingdom, God. We're not looking, God, to build bigger and badder things. We simply want to sow, God, this money in, these resources in, these things into the places, God, where you're taking the gospel message to the ends of the earth. So, Lord, I thank you for these men and women who call Reliance home, Lord, and they faithfully give. And now, God, I'm asking, will you help us to partner, Jesus, with places like Cindy's Hope that are ready to take the gospel message to the ends of the earth? Will you help us, God, to, to, to sow well, to sow generously into their hands, God, and other missionaries as well? We love you. We praise you. We're excited about what you're doing in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. How many love you some Jesus today? Yes, amen. It's good to have you today. If you're a, a visitor, welcome to Reliance. Uh, we, we have a motto we say all the time. We, we live by it. We believe it. We're a family. We're a family, and we're in pursuit of the presence of Jesus. Amen? We're a family in pursuit of the presence of Jesus. And so if, if you're here and you're just even visiting by default, you're part of our family, and we, we pray that you feel the presence of God in this house today. If you're regular, it's always good to, to have you back. Um, last week, we, we had talked about... Um, this kind of season leading up to the holidays as a season where it's easy to lose focus. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to lose focus. And, and most importantly, that we said there's so many things that are vying for your attention in life. We talked about how everything is out there and it's vying for your attention. And so at, at times we can get caught up and miss out on just the reality of what it is that we're supposed to focus in on, especially in this season, to kind of prepare hearts for what's coming over Christmas. And so we, we camped out on Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And so we talked about really three things. The word seek, we talked about the word first, and we talked about the word kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. And we talked about that word seek means really that all of our attention, our attraction, and our affections are after seeking the kingdom of God first. So, so the word seek is like your attention, your affections, your attraction are after the kingdom of God. And so we talked about what that looks like and how to be focused in on that. But today I want to I kind of step to the next part of that verse. I want to talk about his righteousness. His righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Why and what we do with this thing I think is really, really important. So today when we talk about the righteousness of God, we're really going to talk about the holiness of God. Somebody say holiness. We're going to talk about the whole. Anybody grow up in the holiness movement and the holiness church? Yeah. And so we're going to talk about the holiness uh, of God. And I believe that how we um, understand this, how we handle this, how we see this, this idea of the holiness of God and our role in that can shift how we live our lives in Christ Jesus. How we view holiness and how we view the holiness of God can shift how we live our lives in Jesus Christ. It's a big deal. In other words, it's a big deal. And, and in fact, let me tell you how big of a deal it is. Um, the author of Hebrews in, in chapter 12, verse 14, which we'll talk about here in just a little bit, he says this, pursue holiness. Without holiness, no one, somebody say no one. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. 
And so I don't know if you grasp the, the gravity of that, but the author of Hebrews is so bent on the holiness of God that he says, look, the absence of holiness results in us not seeing the Lord. And when, when I read something in Scripture that says, hey, look, if you don't have this, you can't see the Lord, then something has my full attention in Scripture in that moment. Amen? Like, we're not gathering, you're not here because this is, you know, fun to wake up on a Sunday morning and go waste your time. You're not here because you just want a waste of time. You're here, I believe that you're here, one, you're here because you want the presence of God more than anything else. That's what I'm going to believe. You're, you're here. Two, you're here because you know that the presence of God can change things in your life. Or three, you're here because somebody drug you here, but God's going to meet you here. Amen? So, so you're here and in this moment, if we read something that says, look, you can't see the Lord without the holiness of God, then that's something that, that should draw our full attention and we need to lock into in our life. We can't not not make a big deal about this. We can't not not make a big deal about this. This should be our primary focus in life to understand the holiness of God and how it plays out in, in, our, in our life. There's a word that we said, though, that starts off that Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, and that word is pursue. Somebody say pursue. Pursue. The word pursue actually in this verse means this, to do something with intense effort. To do something with intense effort and a definite purpose or goal. So the two elements that it talks about in this word pursue is, is with intense effort and with a definite goal in mind. Now, I've told you a little bit about probably the greatest pursuit of my life outside of Jesus was for my wife, all right? The greatest pursuit, and I've told you a little bit about our pursuit. We met when we were sophomores in high school. She was from Lincoln, Nebraska, or Omaha, Nebraska. Don't hold that against her, right? And I was from Kansas, and we met at Woodland Park, Colorado at a camp up there, yeah? And we were sophomores in high school, and I know, like, I grew up a pastor's kid, and everybody said, you need to go up there and encounter Jesus. I was looking for a girlfriend. I just want you to know that right now. And, I mean, that's, you know what I'm talking about? Was, that was my camp experience. I'm like, look, I grew up in church. I know the Lord. I need to know a woman, right? And so I went up there, wrong mentality, wrong everything, yada, 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 all right? But the Lord blessed it, Okay. And so I went up to Colorado, and I remember the first time that we locked eyes, and I saw her, and she gets off the bus, and, you know, we get off out of our church vans, and I remember in my life going, oh, my goodness, she is beautiful. And I'm going to spend all week pursuing that girl right there. And I want you to know, when you hear the word pursuit, the word pursuit has an intentional thing behind it, Amen. You don't pursue someone necessarily unintentionally. In other words, I was not pursuing her unintentionally. I wasn't just like, you know, look, if we run into each other, you know, we'll run into each other. I was putting myself in her path everywhere that she went. It sounds stalkerish, but you can do that as a sophomore in high school. I wanted to be everywhere that she was at. I just, I wanted to find myself. If, if she was hanging out over here, I wanted to find myself hanging out over here. Even though all of my friends were like, let's go do this, let's go do this. I'm like, no, no, no. No, I want to do crafts today. <laughs> Basket weaving sounds fun, right? And they're like, are you kidding me? Who are you? We don't even know you anymore, right? But I wanted, I wanted to pursue her. I wanted to be around her. And so in that, you know, you do silly things when you're intentionally pursuing someone. You do things that you would never do. I, I've told you the story before. I remember the, the time that I wanted to impress her the most. We would always hike up this, this mountain. And on top of this mountain, there was this cross. And, you know, you'd go watch the sunrise and sunset groups of people and yada, yada, yada. And so we hiked up this mountain. I remember in my mind, I've told you this before, like my pursuit of Christy was like, I will do anything for her attention, anything for her attention. And so I, we were all walking together as a group, and I told her that there was five girls, there's five guys, and I remember going, I'm going to run down the mountain as fast as I can. Like, this is a steep mountain. I'm going to run down the mountain as fast as I can. This is what guys do. We're like, like, we don't do flowers. We try to jump over things, right, or whatever. And I remember going, you see that branch down there? It's about 200 yards down. I'm going to run down. You can't stop because the mountain's fast. I'm going to grab the branch. I'm going to flip around the branch, and I'm going to land on my feet, and somehow you're going to be like, oh, Aaron, that right there captured my heart, right? So I run down, and I can't stop. Have you ever ran down a mountain? You can't stop. You can't stop. And I'm running. I'm like, dear Lord, this is out of control, right? 
And I remember grabbing the branch, and I've told you this before, I didn't flip around it like I had imagined, but my hand slipped through, and I literally was going airborne like this, like stiff as a board. And in the moment, I was like, terrible idea, terrible, terrible. And I landed on my back, and I skipped, and I went down there, and I was like all mangled or whatever. And I've told you this, she runs down, and all the group runs down, like, Aaron, Aaron, are you okay? And I'm thinking she's going to go, that was the sexiest thing I've ever seen, right? And she, she comes up, she kind of gives me a little pat on the head, she goes, bless your heart. <laughs> do, do, do you know what we tell two-year-olds? Bless your heart. In that moment, what I had hoped for in the pursuit did not get me the result that I wanted. But I didn't give up. And I continued year after year after year, from sophomore all the way through to our freshman year when we started dating in college. I pursued her with an intentional goal in mind. This word pursue right here that, that, that he says, pursue holiness. Pursue it. Be intentional about holiness. Have something in your heart where you're, you're, you have this definite goal that you're after. And the definite goal is I just want to be in the presence of God. Pursue holiness because without holiness no one will see the Lord. And so our goal, we want to be a presence-based people. Not performance-based people. Not perfectionist people. Amen. We want to be a presence-based people where the presence of God is what our goal is. And we'll do whatever we can to, to, to get there. And I'll tell you why. Because eternity with Jesus is a long time. And so if we're, if, if we're not interested in pursuing him now, you're going to be in a world of hurt down the road. And so we, we want to pursue him with everything um, that we have. And so to do this, though, we have to start with the holiness of God. We can't start with the holiness of ourself. Because in and of ourself, we are not holy people. Amen? In and of ourself. Remove Jesus from the equation. We are not holy people. Okay? It says that we are sinners. It says that the wages of sin is death. Okay? So in and of ourself, we are not holy without Jesus. And so we have to start first with the holiness of God. And, 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 and here's the thing with holiness. You start talking about holiness and everybody begins to have this picture of the religious elite, right? You, you throw the word out, holy, and the minute that, that comes, the thing that comes to your mind, the minute you say it is, oh, those holy rollers, right? We've got this personification of this holiness was those people that were the, the, the religious elite back in the day. They're people who think that they're just too, too, too cool for everybody else, just better Christians than everybody else is. And I'm going to tell you right now, that is not what holiness is. Holiness isn't about control. Holiness isn't about guilt. Holiness isn't about adhering to a man-made standard. Holiness is about relationship. It's about relationship. In fact, holy is the one word that most describes God throughout scriptures. Even the demons use the word. In Mark chapter 124, when Jesus is casting out some demons from a person, this is what the demons speak back to Jesus. What do you want to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Nazareth, you have, come to, have you come to destroy us? And look what they say. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. They didn't just say, we know who you are, you're, you're from God. They use the word holy. Even the demons, even the enemy knows the holy attributes and the holiness of the God that we serve. So I just want to say this again. When we talk about holiness, we always start with the source, and the source is always him. It's in his holiness that we're after. And let me just throw this out here because this is a soapbox I've been on. When we don't start with the holiness of God, we start to redefine our own holiness. Amen? We start to redefine our own holiness. And we, we see this in our culture today. That's what we do. We redefine our own holiness. And that's how we get this idea of, of what holiness is, is we just think whatever we deem as holy is holy. And so we have to always start with God. And so let me just start with the, these words right here. He is worthy. Somebody say worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. How we see God is a big deal. We tend to focus on what we see in awe, what we see that's inspiring, what we see that's wonderful, what we see that's worthy. And so how we see God is a big deal. If God is the most worthy of all of our affections and attention and time and all those things, if he is, if the attraction of God is worthy of all things, when you think of God, are you thinking of God in awe? in wonder, in wonderful, in wonderful ways. Are you going, man, he's worth it all. 
Because we're drawn into what we see as worthy, amen? We're drawn into it. There's something that fascinates me about the holiness of God throughout Scripture. It was a big deal all through the Word of God, where somewhere along the lines, I wonder if we've simply kind of gotten away from or lost the awe of God. We talked about this a, a couple of weeks ago in our men's group on Thursday. I said, do you think we still have reverence for the Lord, an awe of God? And it was, it was crazy, 13 guys or whatever sitting around the circle, and, and I feel like everybody was kind of like, no, I don't think we do. I think we've kind of lost the aweness, the awe of God. We've lost that, oh, God. Man, if I could just be with you, if I could just be in your presence, if I could just hang out with you, if you and I could just do life. And so we, we've kind of lost the awe of God, which is why, and, and we've shared this many times in here, which is why our devotion times or our Bible reading times or our prayer times reflect the fact that we're looking for the quick fix. Seven minutes with God, right? Or, or, or two-minute prayers that last or whatever it is, right? Like, we, we have this desire to, yes, be in God's presence, but just for short amount of time because I'm wondering if we've lost that awe of God. Let me, let me say this for, for just a minute. Holiness is not a word. I want you to get this. When somebody says holy, holiness is, is not a word. Holiness is his presence. So when, someone, when, when, when we read that Hebrews, be holy as I am holy, okay, when we read that Hebrews, be holy, because without holiness, no one can see the Lord. He's basically calling in, and he's saying, be present when I'm present. Be in my presence. Be in my presence. And so I, I say that because, um, you know, we, we, again, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And, and I'm thinking about this for just a minute, about the presence of God and the holiness of God. And if you remember the story uh, of Moses, Moses is, is up on the mountain. He says, God, man, that I could just see you. You guys remember that story? He's like, God, that I could just see, that I could just, just see your presence. I want to see your face. And God's like, look, Moses, if I show you my face, you're going to die. If I show you my holiness, if I show you the awe that I am, the, the wonderful thing that I am, the wonderful nature that I carry, if I, if I show you the brilliance of who I am, you will die, Moses. And Moses is like, God, I just want to see you. So God, being an honoring God that he is, and he loved Moses, this is, what, this is how he has to handle this situation with Moses. He goes, here's what I'm going to need you to do. I need you to turn around, and I need you to put your face in the cleft of the mountain. Do not look away from it. I want you to put your eyes in this little cleft of the mountain. Don't turn around, and then I'm going to pass by you. But you're only going to be able to know that my back is passing by. So you're going to be turned, I'm going to be turned, because I'm so holy that if you caught a glimpse of me, you would die. And so Moses puts his face there, and the back of God passes by. And do you remember what happened to Moses' face forever and ever? It shone. This is how holy God is. So I want to set this up for you, that he is worthy. He's worthy to be praised. Holiness is not about a word. It's about his presence. He saw the presence of God. He felt the presence of God. He was around the presence of God. And he would never be the same again. We read in the Old Testament, the prophets Moses and Joshua and Isaiah, they would drop to their knees the minute that they were in the presence of God, and they would use the word undone. Everybody say undone. They would drop to their knees, and they would say, oh, that we are undone before you. Like, who are we before you? Here's why, because God is holy in power, he's holy in presence, he's holy in wisdom and knowledge. We use those words omni, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. We use these words, he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's all-present. This is the God that we serve. The psalmist in Psalm 33, 4 through 9 says this of the Lord. For the word of the Lord is right and true, he is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth, the universe. He gathers the water of the sea into jars. He puts the deep, he, he puts the deep into storehouses. And then the, the psalmist says in verse 9, let the earth Fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. I don't even begin to understand what that fully means. I have no idea. What is, I, I don't know what that means. He gathers the water and stores them in jars. He's trying to show the magnitude of who he is. 
He's trying to say that when he spoke, the stars were in the sky. And somehow I take that for granted. And I just forget about the awe of God, the whoa. You hung everything in his place. I remember the one guy who tried to call him out on that was Job. Job was trying to question God, and, and God comes with that response that I love. He's like, who is this that darkens my counsel with things that they do not understand? I'm like, I'm glad Job did it, right? And then listen to Job's response in Job 42, 5 through 6. I had heard rumors. Listen to this. I love this. Job says, I had heard rumors about you. But now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I take back, he said, my words. I take back what I've said and repent in dust and ashes. See, see Job was basically confessing something to the Lord. Like, like people told me you were good. I had this idea. I had this knowledge of who you were. Like, I had, this, I had this idea. I heard rumors about you. You're good. You're good. You should follow God. Like, I heard it. But he's like, when I saw your holiness on display. When I was present in your presence, when I was in with you, when it was me and you and we were locking eyes and it wasn't just hearing rumors any longer, but it was me and you, he was like, I dropped to my knees. I took back everything that I said about you, about how you didn't know what you were doing and about how you could allow this to happen and about how you maybe weren't so good. I took it all back and he says, I was just dust and ashes. I wonder if sometimes we treat God more like we've heard rumors about him than experienced his presence. So no wonder the awe of God, no wonder the majesty of God, the holiness of God doesn't maybe grip us like it once did or grip us like years past because we've heard the rumors that he's good, but we haven't been present in his presence, in his holiness. I don't even know what this is like, but it's talking about the awe of God. Like if we just understood that if earth's just spun a little bit faster, we would cease to exist. Like if we would just understand that if the temperature was just a little different on planet earth, that we would not be able to inhabit this planet with life. Like just understanding those things, but yet we learn those things and we hear those things and then somehow we go, man, that's great, God. So glad you were good at your job, right? You knew exactly, glad, thanks for the temperature, you know, so we could live here. And then we go on with our life as though God is not awe-inspiring. When we think about, when we look upon God, it's this massive, awe-inspiring, gripping thing in our life where it should be. Like going to the Grand Canyon. Anybody been to the Grand Canyon? Yeah. You ever gotten super close to the edge of the Grand Canyon? And like in that minute, I don't care like how prideful you are, you've just been diminished, right? Like the minute you might be like, you know what, I think I'm pretty much the coolest person on planet Earth. Like you might have your mindset of going, nobody compares to me. Like I rock my job, I rock my marriage, I rock everything. I'm just good. And you stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon and you go, ugh. And you see the vastness of it. And all of a sudden, in that moment, it's awe-inspiring. But at the same time, there's this thing in your stomach where we say, like, like my stomach feels like it's falling out. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like something in your gut goes, Ugh. Because in that moment, no matter how big you think you are, in that moment, you tip over the edge, you're done. You're gone. And God's going, that's just, that's like a, a little tiny thing that I made. Like I, like, I think God's like, like, I laid a hair down, and that's the Grand Canyon, right? I don't know if God has hair. Jesus, Jesus laid a hair down, right? And we see this awe, and we see it's amazing, and we see this, and all of a sudden something in us says there's no force. There's no majesty. There's no grandeur in the heavens and the earth that compare to him. And as we come into this understanding, let me bring this full circle now for a minute. As we come into this understanding, all of a sudden, we look at our own life in the context of our life. We look at what we're going through. I've got marriage issues. 
Look at what we're going through. I've got financial issues. We look at what we're going through. I've got trials in my life. I've got physical things happening. I've got spiritual things happening. I've got emotional things happening. And, and once we see the holiness and this awe-inspiring nature of God, and then we put it in context of who He is, and then in context of what we're going through, and we're like, man, Lord, why am I fearful? Why am I dismayed? And we see what the prophet Jeremiah says in in Jeremiah 32, 17. Let me just set this up for a minute. Jeremiah spoke the words of God as a prophet, and it was like every time he spoke the words of God, he got beat down, okay? So the Lord says, Jeremiah, you're going to go speak to my people, and I just want you to say whatever I say. And Jeremiah's literally in turmoil going, Lord, you know if I say this to them that they're going to beat me. You know if I say this to them, they're going to want to kill me. And the Lord's like, I know, right? And so this is the prophet Jeremiah's life. And so Jeremiah, he's just told the the, the people of God, he's just told the king some things the Lord has told him. And they're throwing him down into a well. They're putting him in prison. They're trying to end his life. And this is what Jeremiah says in in, in chapter 32, verse 17. Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arms. Nothing is too hard for you. I'm going to tell you right now, if the Lord throws me in a well, that's not the first thing that's coming to my mind. Amen? When my life feels like it's been rocked, and I feel like I've been going through trials, and there's like things that are just coming at me, and I feel like physically and spiritually and emotionally and mentally, I just can't handle things. The first words that usually call out from my mouth are, Lord, where are you? God, why are you doing this? I thought you were good. I thought that you had all these great plans. And I began to question God at every step of the way. Why? Because I forgot about the awe and the holiness of who he is. And Jeremiah, when he goes through all this, this is how he sees it. Oh, Lord, you created everything by your power. Nothing is too hard for you. Like Here's a guy who's under constant threat, constant threat to be killed and thrown into prison, and basically, let me just paraphrase what he's saying, and yeah, God, you know the hairs on my head, like, God, you know me by name, you hung billions of stars and galaxies we haven't even discovered yet, and you know me. And I think what Jeremiah is telling us here in this minute, he's going, And you don't think that God has you? You don't think that God's holiness has thought about you? That the awe and wonderful majesty of God doesn't understand the pain that you're not in or that you're going through? Like, he gets it. And yet, despite all of those things, despite being in a well, despite going through marriage struggle and financial struggle and, and, and maybe not feeling like you know your purpose or your depression or whatever it is you have going on in your life, despite that, he's saying, can you still say that I'm worthy to be praised? Because at the end of the day, he is. And he sustains you. The reason... You have breath in your lungs today. It's simply because he allows it. Jeremiah, I believe out of all the things he says, all you have said, he's basically saying you have done, and all the things that you said that you were accomplishing, that you've accomplished. God needs you to know, I believe in your life today, that there's nothing that's outside of his realm right now in your in your life there's nothing where he's pondering how he's going to fix it god doesn't set up in a chair and gather around his wise counsel say what do you what do you think we should do about aaron that dude's a mess he already knows what he's gonna do he's already done it (laughs) amen he's outside of time ah That's just craziness right there. I'm just telling you, at the end of the day, this understanding of God and his holiness is so big and it's so vast. And he thinks of us and he understands it because at the end of the day, church, let me me just say this to you. God doesn't bow down to natural law. (laughs) He just doesn't. 
He doesn't allow natural law to dictate his life. He created it. <laughs> so he can maneuver in it however he wants to maneuver in it. Amen? He can do it. There was a reason that at the end of the day, there's a reason that, 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 that Abraham had to take Isaac up to the mountain to get ready to sacrifice his son to show his obedience to God. And I'm going to tell you right now, the natural law would have said if that knife came down, his life was over. But the natural law of God says that he is the one that holds life in his hands. Amen? He just, he maneuvers his own way because he doesn't bow down to natural law. This is why we pray and expect big things. This is why we believe in miracles and have never given up on those, amen? This is why come Thursday night, we're going to pray for people to receive healing that need healing, and I believe God's going to show up because he doesn't maneuver in the natural law. He maneuvers in his law, and he's holy, and he's awe-inspiring. Ah. Nature doesn't stop him. Man doesn't stop him. It's this majesty of God. Let me just share real quickly. I'm really on a soapbox right now, and I don't care if you're tired of this, but I'm going to tell you a little bit more about his holiness. Amen? Okay, listen. Look, he brings the pride of men down low, too. Like, we've been studying in, 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 in our men's group on Thursday morning, we've been studying the book of Daniel. There's a guy named King Nebuchadnezzar. Somebody say that. Nebuchadnezzar, all right? There's a king called Nebuchadnezzar, and the king... The king is basically thinking that he's like all powerful. And he says this in Daniel. He says, and the king answered and said, is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? Now, the minute you start talking about the glory of your majesty, God going to show up. Amen. And so here's Nebuchadnezzar. He's boasting about what he's built. He's boasting about what he's done. And then all of a sudden, in verse 31, God comes down and basically speaks to him through a dream that Daniel interprets. And here's what he says in verse 31. While the words were still in the king's mouth, <laughs> there fell a voice from heaven. O king Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men. I love that. And gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men, and he ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with dew from heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird claws. Basically, the dude had a breakdown. And he's out in the wilderness eating grass like an animal. Why? Because God was going to show him that this was never his kingdom. It was always God's kingdom. Amen? So I love this because I think so many times we're sitting there going, who gets, who gets the glory? This is what I've built. This is what I've done. This is what I've had my hand in. Who's the holy one that gets the glory? Because it ain't me. Amen? Because it ain't you. Because it's always been him. There is one who is holy over and over and over. We see this throughout scripture. Whether, well, I'm not going to share that, but all over the place. We see this. I'm going to move on now. He knows how everything is going to end. I'll just share one more. Battle of Armageddon. Like, like end times is kind of a big thing right now. People are like, you think we're in the end times? I'm like, well, Jesus said it, right? So I'm thinking of the Battle of Armageddon for a minute. And we have this idea when you hear the Battle of Armageddon, the end time war. Like all of us immediately go to this idea that there's this huge war that's coming. That this, this big war is coming, and we read about it in the book of Revelation. It sounds like it's massive. Armageddon. Everybody say Armageddon. It sounds huge. It sounds like it's going to be chaotic. Let me tell you how Revelation describes it, okay? It says, in the last days, in the last days, he says, the enemies of God will gather in the valley. All the enemies of God will gather in the valley. Jesus will show up and basically say, I am. Boom. It's over. All right? That's not Armageddon-ish. Jesus shows up, and all of these people are out there to battle him. And basically he says, I am, and Armageddon is over. Did that just, is it anticlimactic now for you? Did we just take away, like, the Lost Behind series for, for you right there? Like, this is not a battle for him, church. This is not something that Jesus is going to struggle with. He's simply going to take Satan and throw him into the pit forever and ever. 
And we need to understand that if this is what the battle of Armageddon is, that we build up as this, oh, it's going to be epic, it's going to be epic, it's going to be epic, that we've got to understand this is the same Jesus who spoke into your life and said in your life that you are free in him. His holiness, his awe has brought you to a place of freedom. Okay, so, so what do we have to be careful for? We have to be careful with apathy when it comes to the holiness of God. Everybody say apathy. Apathy just simply means like, yeah, yeah, somebody told me about the holiness of God. I read it in scripture, and I'm all for it. Look, I'm all for it. I, I believe God is holy. And then we just simply go about our day as though it doesn't affect how we live. That's a big deal. Because there's a, definite, there's a definite response then, if God is holy, there's a definite response then that we have to think about in our life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I want to share this with you because I believe this is important. We are free from condemnation, amen? Okay, we are free from condem condemnation. We are not free from obligation. So in light of his holiness... In light of his awe-inspiring nature, in light of the fact that when I stand over the Grand Canyon, and that's just like a, a hair to God, in light of that, then, then what my response is, is that I'm going to soak that in, and I'm going to go towards that. And I'm not going to flee from it. I'm not going to run away from it. I want that. I'm going to go forward in my life. The call for holiness in Scripture is used over 900 times in the Bible. We don't talk about it. The call for holiness is used over 900 times. Sanct and you can look at other words, sanctify, sanctification. Holiness is what the New Testament envisions for the transformation of each person. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, may God himself, listen to this church, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. You can't even sanctify yourself. May the God of peace sanctify you. So the sanctification, the holiness lifestyle where we're pursuing the Lord is simply from him. So what does this mean for us? Let me share two things real quickly because I'm almost out of time, okay? <laughs> There's two kinds of holiness that I want to look at. John Bevere shares these two, and I want to share these two and how he shared them. There's positional holiness, and there's behavior holiness. Positional holiness is our position in Christ. That is something that no one's taken away from you. From the moment that Jesus gave his life on the cross, you were made holy. Listen to this. Colossians 1.22. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy. Everybody say holy. In his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Ephesians 1.4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. Right now, you have a positional holiness in Christ Jesus. In Christ, we are righteous before God. The reason that we can stand in the presence of God now and not fry and die is because we can stand in the presence of God because Jesus Christ is in us. Amen? That's why we have this positional holiness. It cannot be earned. You can't try to get it. It's your position because of Jesus Christ. It's a gift to you. You have positional holiness. We have been made holy the moment that we got saved, set apart. We can't improve that standing. Your positional holiness can't improve it. Let me give you an example of that. When I met Christy and she became my wife almost 19 years ago, I'm not any more married to Christy 19 years later than I was on day one, right? Day one, when we were married and we put rings on each other's finger and we were in covenant with one another, from that moment forward, she hasn't become my wife a little bit more. We're not a little bit more married now 19 years later. Amen, baby? Amen. May feel that way. But from day one, in that moment, that was the position that we had. We were married, we were one. We didn't have to earn that position anymore. On the other side, there's this behavior holiness that Scripture tends to talk about. The behavior that results from being one with Christ. Hebrews 12, 14, pursue holiness. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16. Listen to this one, and I'll close with this. So you must live your life as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in, everybody say everything. Everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. So when I married Christy 19 years ago, before she became Christy Wallace, she was Christy Keller. And I told you from day one, I couldn't be any more married to her now 19 years later. But I can tell you over 19 years of marriage, I've learned some different behaviors. <laughs> 
Over 19 years of marriage, I've learned things that are considered gifts with a heart behind it and gifts that didn't have a heart behind it, right? Over 19 years of marriage, I've learned things that I could say to her and things I better not ever utter out of my mouth again. In 19 years of marriage, there's been a behavioral difference that has changed between us. How I was at the start when I said I do, and then, you know, I'm like, babe, I'm going to go hang out with the guys. There is no guys hanging out anymore, right? It's not true. She lets me do that. There's something that happened over those 19 years where I've grown to know her. I've grown to see the things that hurt her heart, and I've grown to see the things that speak life into her. And so we've got this behavioral holiness that comes when I say, Lord, I, I know what speaks to your heart, and I know what you call me to flee from. But both of those, positional holiness, behavioral holiness, both of those could not ever be without Jesus Christ. So this morning, let's close out. That's the third time I've said that. This morning, I just invite you to close your eyes for a minute. I want you to put your feet up on the edge of the Grand Canyon. I want you to breathe deep how vast and how big and how wide the Grand Canyon is. I want you to see the majesty of it. It's one of the seven wonders of the world. Ah. Oh. Wow, this thing's huge. It takes your breath away. Your stomach drops out. And I want you to picture that that doesn't even hold a candlestick to the awe and the majesty and the holiness of God. He's so much more infinite. He knows so much more about your life than you think he knows. He knows every detail from when you took your first breath to when you take your last. He knows what you're going through. He knows it. He knows it all. And yet here you are today. Is he worthy to be praised? With your feet still on the edge of the Grand Canyon, if he's worthy to be, if to be praised, if he's worthy to be honored, if his holiness is worthy to be praised, will you take that step of faith then to begin to read about what the holiness and the sanctification of the Lord is doing in your life, to flee from the things that he tells you to flee from, to walk away from the immorality that he tells you to walk away from, to not redefine holiness for your own life, but to look at what the Word says and pursue the things of the Lord and not the things of man. And if that's you today and you want that, man, just give that to the Lord. I just want to keep your eyes closed. Band, you guys can start playing and singing. And, like, I just want to make this an intimate moment with you and Jesus. I want you to think about how big He's been in your life. And I want you to think about how you, how you line up with that in your life. What will holiness look like for you? Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.